Welcome to Always West Seattle, the podcast where the people, places, and stories of West Seattle come together. I'm your host, Keith Bacon, and this is the 10th episode. It's been quite an adventure figuring out ways to safely connect with my community in the middle of a pandemic, and I really appreciate the support and positive feedback I've heard from so many people along the way. Your comments are always encouraged wherever you source this podcast from, and you can also find Always West Seattle on Facebook or email Keith at alwayswestseattle.com. West Seattle is a place where artwork abounds, from the historic murals depicting scenes from our past to the monthly art walks showcasing the latest work from up-and-coming artists. In this episode, we'll take a closer look at two sources of street art getting notice in the neighborhood. First up is Desmond Hansen, the prolific local artist who's brought numerous eye-catching creations to an unlikely canvas, the traffic signal control boxes found at intersections across the city. We caught up with Desmond to learn more about his process for creating these unique portraits that capture in distinctive style the iconic people, moments, and movements of our times. How did you get started painting your electrical box murals? There was a time about three years ago where I was kind of in between mural jobs and things were seeming a little slow. Mm -hmm. And I decided to donate some of my time painting one of them and the community really responded positively to it. So I did another one and then I went to the Seattle Department of Transportation to legit get permits for 25 separate locations. Mm -hmm. What was that first one? The first one was uh, the Jimi Hendrix one that I did on California and Fauntleroy. Mm -hmm. How long does it take you to create one of these from concept to finish? From start to finish, I would say each bot probably take about four to five hours with an hour being on designing. Mm -hmm. And some of them are a little more intricate. Yeah. But yeah, usually around four to five hours. And you've painted portraits of musicians and actors and athletes. How do you choose your subjects and the locations? So all the locations were done in one sitting. I drove around my neighborhood and, and looked for prime boxes and looking at the locations, you know, which side of the box was facing the street and, you know, all kinds of variables that went into choosing the locations. Mm-hmm. I figured I would stop at around 25 so that I could kind of uh, refine all my ideas for concepts. And the boxes are about the same size as what I would think of as like a portrait style canvas that would be above like a a fireplace mantle or something like that. Mm -hmm. And so I decided, you know, to try to try to do some portrait work. And I just wanted to try to choose subjects that were influential to me when I was a kid, you know, people who made me look at the world a little different mm-hmm. and also that were influential to my family too. You know, my, my mom was big into grunge music. Uh-huh. So that was an influence on me growing up. So basically I just, I, I started picking a lot of people all in one sitting, looking for good reference photos and, and things to kind of get inspiration from. So you've scouted out all the locations yourself or did SDOT sort of say like, Hey, we'd like some here or, they actually have been referring people to me. And there's also people in other neighborhoods who have seen what I've been doing and have gotten in touch with SDOT. And then they've chosen locations as they're commissioning the work for me. But yeah, it's always been just 
wherever I choose. I, I tell SDOT and they get back to me and tell me if yay or nay. Cool. It's always a yes because <laughs> they, they prefer to have artwork on all these boxes. But, you know, when I first started doing this, they mm-hmm. didn't understand what I was trying to do because they do a lot of, like, wrapping mm-hmm. of the boxes with, like, graphics, like mm. uh, plastic kind of um, decorative wraps or whatever, mm-hmm. kind of like wallpaper type stuff. Yeah. And in, in my experience, that doesn't, like, stop anyone from doing vandalism or anything. If, you know, someone knows it's not hand-painted, there's a lot less respect that graffiti artists have for it. When it is hand-painted, like what I do, I feel like there's a lot more value added to it. Absolutely. And has that been an issue for you at all with people vandalizing them or have people sort of respecting what you're doing? I mean, there is an occasional vandalizing, but nothing abnormal, Mm -hmm. I think. And I just go back and fix it. And usually when I fix it, it comes out even better. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I've gotten used to that happening, but it doesn't happen too frequently. People know that if they do vandalize one of these boxes, it's not just me they're disrespecting or the neighborhood. It's also the person I painted. You know, I just, I like doing these boxes because I like adding quality to people's walk when they're walking down the street or Mm -hmm. driving down the street, you know, something that could start a conversation or bring some kind of unity. They're all very inspiring in in so many different ways. Do you have one or a few that you're particularly proud of or or feel really connected to? I'm definitely connected and most proud of the Jimi Hendrix one. And my dad, for over 40 years, he's done a tribute to Jimi Hendrix musically so so it's pretty close to my family and how many have you created so far and how many do you plan to do i think there's about 30 now including the ones that people have commissioned me for and got separate permits for and stuff but i have a few more to do i'm planning to do more and they aren't always portraits but people tend to ask for more portrait Mm -hmm. stuff and i enjoy doing it but i also want to start doing just more out there abstract artwork and stuff yeah what sort of reaction have you heard or experienced to the works that you've done so far mostly good i mean i'd say 99 to 98 percent good Mm -hmm. there's an occasional you know naysayer or weirdo out there or even just random art critics (laughs) everyone's a critic right yeah and that's okay too you know i understand people and that we're not all the same you know yeah i had a guy come up to me while i was painting and literally whisper in my ear you're horrible and a kindergartner could do better (laughs) wow and then walked away (laughs) and i said okay (laughs) right on buddy (laughs) and then i've had people come up to me crying emotional because Mm -hmm. of being touched by it too so there's all different spectrums people out there Yeah, I think it just comes anytime, you know, you create something and you put it out there. I mean, you hope for the best, but you can always expect to hear a variety of reactions to it. And it's just part of being a a public facing creative person. Yeah, I I respect it. And I get a little kick out of it. Sometimes when it is negative, in my head, I just laugh, you know, (laughs) that kind of thing where it's just amusing that there's people who would throw their negativity out there. And that's how I respond to it. I just shake it off and not. I I know that's what comes with doing art. You know, there's going to be people out there who try to peel you off of your hill that you're 
happy to be on. And it's so weird because that energy that they put into that could be put into their own creative art project that meets their own standards or tastes or something. It's funny when people go there. Yeah. And, you know, also in this kind of political society, too, I've had people criticize you know, the political correctness of what I'm doing even. And I just always tend to say like, you know, feel free to jump in and paint your own box if you want to see <laughs> someone else painted too, or, you know, or hire someone else to paint one or something, you know, or hire me, you know, like yeah. I'll paint people too, you know. I think it's great that you've sort of pivoted and and recently done the George Floyd portrait, the Black Lives Matter, the Pride one in the Junction. It just makes your work that much more powerful because it's so topical and it's so important. I mean, it's what we're sort of all talking about and dealing with right now. Yeah, and it's not I don't just do my art for me, you know. I'm not gay, but I'll do a gay pride play because I want people everyone to feel welcome in their community and their, you know, surroundings. But yeah, I mean there's some backlash that I get from sometimes from those type of things but I, I I leave it as water under the bridge because I know there's people that are going through a lot of things right now a lot of turmoil and mm-hmm. and, and so I I can't claim to know what anyone's going through I just have my own personal experiences and I try to react with some type of art that can bring some positivity instead of looking like violent art or anything like mm-hmm. sometimes you know sometimes when I have rage inside of me for something i'll just i'll paint it out with something detailed or something that i just want to make it nicer than what someone who's feeling destructive would want to do because that's sometimes i am feeling destructive and then i'll just focus it into art you know Mm -hmm. that's a great way to channel it how can people support this project and your role as a community artist so I have a GoFundMe called uh, Brighten Up Seattle's Intersections. That's something that kind of keeps me going, keeps paint on the shelf. But people reaching out to me and, and hiring me to do other mural work and stuff like that, that's the, the main thing. I just want to be able to feel secure as a professional artist mm-hmm. and keep my family's legacy going. Keep up with Desmond's work by following him on Facebook or at his own website, DesmondHansonArt.com. Not far from a few of Desmond's latest works in the junction, a new large-scale mural was recently added to the Walkalways intersection at California and Alaska. Unlike many other murals in the area that look to our past, this one is focused on the here and now, and a future that so many in our community are working towards. The mural is made up of three words, Black Lives Matter with the letters designed by nine BIPOC artists bringing their personal stories and vision to this important message. We talked with a few of the artists, along with one of the organizers of this project, Mary Murphy, from West Seattle Art for Social Justice. Tell me about your group, West Seattle Art for Social Justice. It's a group of educators and artists formed through a need to try to be as supportive as we could in our community And really, from there, it just went really rapidly into finding this amazing collective of nine artists who came together, and through their dedication and voice and artistic expression, we have this beautiful mural today. How did you all come together? We all worked independently and have been activists and active in our community throughout our lives, but have known each other and worked together separately on other projects and then just formed together through this. And a really big part of what we're trying to do is have this organization that is kind of an umbrella of these works 
and kind of really trying to take that recognition and channel it through the artists and community that we're serving. It is something that is forming into nonprofit and it's just been an awesome opportunity to collaborate with local organizations. It's really important that our work continues on um, strength by strength and not just one project. And that's our act of social justice. So that's really been one of the um, missions. How did you land on doing a Black Lives Matter mural in the junction for your first project? It's interesting, kind of, especially with art, how you feel motivated or or inspired. Mm -hmm. And really, there's just so many elements and variables to take um, into consideration, especially at this time, about what would be the most meaningful piece and not for us, but to support the community and for our community. And so what's something that we can put out that is beautiful and meaningful and has a voice and with the whole process. It wasn't something that we just decided on our own, of course, doing mm-hmm. a ton of research, asking artists, making sure that this was something everyone we were collaborating with felt strongly about and felt positive about. Mm-hmm. And really, we felt like it really made that impact. And in all the Black Lives Matter murals, you know, nationally, have just been such a source of inspiration for so many different groups and really seeing how each individual community creates them um, differently. I mean, there's just such a huge range of feelings that they can elicit. And I think that's what this piece produces is is that vulnerability and that ability to share, you know, cross boundaries. It's, It's really been such a beautiful experience and really deeply touching. How did you find the artists for the mural? It was really being um, mindful of wanting this piece to be for members of our community from Black, Indigenous, people of color communities, and really being cognizant to lift their voices, to amplify their voices, because that is the heart of the mural. And for us, our part in it was setting that up for them and, and, you know, doing this stencil work the week before. And there was some really interesting conversation around that work because I think when people first saw it at face value, they saw some white artists and we wanted to show that we were putting in the work as well, that we didn't just expect them to put everything together and organize everything. And, you know, we, we had this idea and maybe we can get it off the ground and then put all the work onto them. We really wanted it to be a celebration for them and to be in as supportive the role as we could. The the mural was really created over over two weekends, in person at least. The first weekend was when the stenciling was put down, the lettering was in place, really like stretching the canvas. And then the next weekend, all the artists came in and did what they wanted to do with the letters that they were assigned or chosen. There were some questions about, you know, is there a theme? Is there, you know, just back and forth trying to get an idea of, of the work. And it really... The, so important with just a hundred percent artistic freedom mm. you know that every artist has their flow it depends like what what the energy is like who who you're creating with what the atmosphere is like right and it's so amazing to see how it all came together you know that it all complements each other so well but you have these all these different stories mm-hmm. together so that that was you know really important that everyone felt that they, they had that creative freedom. I stopped by the mural as things were wrapping up on a warm Sunday afternoon and spoke with a few of the artists about their creation. Lashana Williams reflected why street art such as this mural is valuable to the community. I think public art is important to people, Um, not necessarily movement specific, but public art puts the message 
out there for multiple people in different ways. It can be accessible and create access to information. Raquel Stewart is a writer who incorporated the phrase, when you see something, say something, then do something, into her design for the letter E in the mural. She spoke about what she hopes people will take away from this message. I hope they'll put it in their hearts and make a change and do make a difference. Um, make a difference on how we live with each other. 15-year-old activist and artist Adonis Williams pointed out how the mural's presence in the heart of our neighborhood can have a powerful impact. It makes it so that the issues are present and not just something that's spoken about. It's something that's now real, real tangible. You can walk on it, you can look at it and see the people that spent time and effort building this representation of the movement, regardless of what movement that is. Um, I think for Black Lives Matter, it's extra important because it takes a community to make a mural and that community binds people together especially in a time of civil strife and, and real divisive times politically uh, a lot of division between different social classes ethnic classes political groups and so just the conjoining of community and, and working together as a unit to create a cohesive peace i think has a lot of power You can learn more about the artists and efforts that made the Black Lives Matter mural possible by finding West Seattle Art for Social Justice on Facebook and Instagram. That's it for this episode of Always West Seattle. If you like what you heard, please share with your friends and be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And please follow us on Facebook for updates. I'm Keith Bacon. Thanks for listening.